Counting by Sevens by Holly Goldberg Sloan. As you listen to today's read aloud podcast, please think about what role you have in our discussion for Friday. If you need to have a notebook or sketchbook nearby to write or draw notes to help you remember questions you might have or vocabulary words you're describing or a summary of the text that you're looking to provide, please go gather those now. Chapter 54. Dell got the mail. It was always bad news, so sometimes days went by before he bothered to take out his strangely sharp little key and open the metal box by the front gate. The mailbox was stuffed. As always, there were overdue bills mixed with throwaway flyers printed with cheap black ink that rubbed off onto his fingers. But today, there was something more. He held a letter addressed to Patty Gwen in his hands. She didn't get mail here. He read the return address. Kern County Department of Child Services. He was sweating and qu- he, felt, he felt suddenly queasy. He was sweating and dizzy. Maybe he should just leave. He could drive off and never come back. If he did, at least the cat would be covered. He couldn't imagine a world where Willow wouldn't figure out a place for the fur ball. Dell had delivered the letter to Patty, and then he'd gone straight down the hall to his room. Now he was in bed, and his laptop was open. He was staring at the Kern County Child Services website. In the state of California, A person could have temporary custody of a ward of the state for a few weeks or under special circumstances for several months. But after that, the goal was for permanency. The hope was that a guardian would step forward. Dell felt his left leg twitch, and then it jerked spontaneously like he was kicking a soccer ball. Ever since he had started jogging, his limbs seemed to function independently from the rest of his body. Now, even lying down, it was as if his feet were trying to step forward. Was it possible he could become the guardian of a 12-year-old? Even if he wanted to, and he didn't really, did he? He had debt, and barely any job security, and he'd never even been able to follow through on getting his coffee card stamped correctly at the little place where he sometimes got a morning cup of hot brew. But hadn't things changed Wasn't he now the building rep for the gardens of Glenwood? Hadn't he been driving the two Gwen skids to school every day? Plus, he wasn't just holding down a job. He was possibly getting better at it. Wasn't he the one who supervised the biggest transformation that had ever happened at the apartment building? Okay, so maybe he hadn't supervised, but he was at least part of it. I caught myself. He did operate the rototiller. Dell shut his laptop, but his legs kept twitching. No one knew what they had got. No one knew that they had gotten close. And now Hayato was the first person Patty needed to talk to. 
His cell phone rang, but he didn't pick up. She knew that if he was driving, he couldn't pick up. But he would. He'd call her back, and they would figure out, the two of them, what to do. It was December, and the brutal heat that was only that was the only real constant for months had finally broken the week before. It was like someone flipped a switch and changed the season. Nights were now suddenly cool, and fans and air conditioners had been put away from their four-month-long electric hibernation. Patty slipped out of her too tight shoes. Her feet seemed to be growing and stared at the letter from the state of California. It was for the custody hearing. It had twice been postponed. Now it was for real. Decisions had to be made. She folded the letter in half and promised herself that she'd do the right thing. Chapter 55. As we are climbing into the bunk beds, I explain to May that everything is in shock, which happens when a, first, when a plant is first put down into new soil. I know from experience that some things will thrive and others will wither. Only time will expose the difference. Balance is critical in the natural world. I'm still feeling the triumph of the garden the next day when I get the news. I don't like Lenore Cole from Jameson, but in the name of fairness, I admit that it would be hard to build a case that she isn't doing her job. She has found a place for me. It's permanent. She has come over today to the nail salon to tell me in person. She then asks me if there is anything that I need. We've been speaking outside in the parking lot, but Patty must know. I have been with them for almost three months. It was always temporary. Patty had never met me until the day a hospital supply truck drove through a red light. I understand better than anybody how much she's done for me. These are the facts. I'm going to be placed in a group foster care home on 7th Street. It figures that it wouldn't be 8th Street or 9th Street. She says it's okay for me to cry. I tell her that I'm fine. I say that I would like to go to the library, and she volunteers to take me. I'd like to be around books. When Lenore and I are ready to leave, Patty tells me that Dell will pick me up at the library after work. I won't have to take the bus. I say thank you, and we go to Lenore's car. I feel numb, but I'm moving on. That's how Lenore puts it when we get into her car. Her exact words are, it's time to move on. It feels like something I might hear in a cafeteria lunch, cafeteria lunch line when I've stared too long at a mysterious noodle dish. And then Lenore adds, Transitions are important. We want you to spend the morning at Jameson tomorrow and then go to the hearing in the afternoon. So that's moving on. It means this is happening right away. This surprises me. I thought when she told me she meant in five days or two weeks not tomorrow. Lenore is a professional, and she must have some experience in all of this. It might be like ripping off a band-aid quickly. It doesn't hurt as much because a large component in pain has to do with anticipation. So maybe that's why she didn't tell me until now. I say goodbye to Lenore and go into the library. 
Once I get inside, I hold my hands right up close to my face. I'm breathing too fast, but I'm not crying. I think about May and Kwong Ha and Patty and Dell. They are taking me away from these people, and I don't think I can live now without them. I go straight to my favorite area, which is upstairs in the corner next to the window. The light floods this spot. I get a book on astrophysics. I haven't thought of bigger picture concepts in a long time. Maybe I've been too focused on the smaller things. I've had my mind wrapped around specifics. Reading about galaxies and cosmic microwaves helps me to breathe more easily. I'm putting my place in the universe into perspective. I'm stardust. I'm golden brown. I'm just one small bit in a vast expanse. When the time is right, I go sit outside on the steps. I think about the Gwens. Will they move out of the gardens? Will Dell go back to number 28? Maybe they can rent another apartment and stay in the complex. May won't miss just me. She's going to really miss the bunk beds and the closet. What about Cheddar? If they stay, I can come visit on weekends. I could still help with the garden. I could walk or even call Hiro to drive me over in his taxi. I could increase my running and plot out a new loop that takes me right by the gardens of Glenwood. Dell suddenly appears. I didn't see him coming. Did he sneak up on me or am I not seeing things now? He sits down next to me, but he doesn't say anything. Then he puts his head beneath between his knees and starts to cry. It sounds like he's choking. I'm right next to him and I do what my mother would have done. I put my arm around his shoulder and softly whisper, I'm all right. It's going to be okay. And that breaks him completely. He cries harder. He lifts his face and looks at me. I still have my arm encircling his hunched back, but I see something in his eyes. He looks heartbroken. I know the look. Chapter 56. Patty closed the nail salon early and took the bus home. It was cloudy outside and the wind was blowing hard down the valley. There was dust and sand in the air. And when her teeth met, she felt the grit. She could taste it when she swallowed. Patty came through the door of the apartment and saw Kwang Ha at the table doing his homework. He was never at the table doing his homework. He was always watching TV. But he barely looked up as she came in. He didn't say a thing. Patty noticed that his foot was twitching back and forth, not shaking, but close. She looked down the hall. May was in her room on the upper bunk bed. She had her face close to the wall and the cat held tight to her chest. So they knew. Patty went down the hall and stood in the doorway. We're going to figure it all out. She walked to the bed and put her hand on her daughter's silky head of hair. It's temporary. Suddenly, Kwang Ha's voice could be heard. He was loud. That's what you say about everything. Temporary. Well, if you do something long enough, you don't get to use that word anymore. Patty went back to the living room and stood in front of her son. May appeared behind her. Kwang Ha looked up at both of them. His eyes were large and defiant but his voice was like a small boy's, not a teenage kid's. We shouldn't let her go. 
Patty put her arm around her son and then stayed that way for a long time. May came over and leaned against them. Outside, the gusts picked up. A window was open in the kitchen, and they could hear a sound. It was different. It was something new to add to the mix of street noise and people. It was the bamboo in the new garden. They could hear the rustling of a thousand leaves. Dell woke in the middle of the night. He tried to get back to sleep, but tossed and turned so many times it started to feel like exercise. At 2.47, he was worn out, but still wide awake, so he got up. He stayed in his sweatpants and t-shirt, but pulled on his shoes and a windbreaker. He then went downstairs to the courtyard. It was cold out, and he could see his breath as he made his way to the coiled green hose. Standing in the light of a partial moon, he watched the water come out in gushes of icy silver. And even though he was freezing cold, Dell took his time watering Willow's new garden. The honeysuckle vines were taller than him now, and as he looked them over, he realized that one of the buds was going, beginning to open. He knew for certain that it would be magnificent. And that concludes our reading of Counting by Sevens. Please make sure to take any notes that you need in order to participate in Friday's discussion, whether it be your vocabulary words, your questions, or a summary of everything we have read thus far.